Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy, Devin Hassan, and for the very first time on the podcast, Chris Jackson. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here in the DFW. <laughs> yeah, Chris is a, so Chris has been taking over our coverage for Capel, the Colony, and Lake Cities for these past couple of weeks. Wanted to give him a chance to kind of get his feet wet in his respective coverage areas before joining the podcast. But um, boy, what an episode to have you on for, Chris, because uh, we are here to talk some high school boys basketball. Whereas last week was devoted in large part to previewing the action on the high school girls basketball playoffs and whatnot. Going to do that same exercise this week, only for the boys postseason, which starts tonight. So, um, yes, we're going to go, uh, you know, class- classification by classification, talk 6A, 5A. And then I guess do we have 4A, is Salina in the dance? Oh, sure. yeah. Of course. Oh, there's Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale got nosed out on a three-way tiebreaker uh, on Friday or Saturday, I should say. Maybe so. next year, Raiders. <laughs> Maybe next year. So, yes, we will uh, touch on, I guess, what is, uh, what is in the the, uh, in the works for our respective postseason bound clubs, and let's um let's start. You know what? We usually start on six A and then dip over to five A. We're going to go the other way. Let's talk some uh, class five A to begin this one, Brian. It's my time to shine. That's right. <laughs> so make it count, Brian. Let's see. Let's um let's start with let's talk some nine five A versus ten five A. Let's give you that time to shine, Brian. Frisco ISD against uh, let's see Lovejoy McKinney North that whole district. Um, let's see. So when you look at this, um, uh, as far as uh, these four matchups, you have Frisco Wakeland. The district champion Frisco Wakeland and uh, boy was a uh, where would you have guess projected them at the start of the season to uh... third or fourth? Okay, they, they were the four seed last year, um, and they, they lost a, a big starter Austin Lewis to the high school. We've mentioned that before, but you know they brought back a lot of their team. You know they, they have one of the better players in the district, Cooper Cisco. Michael Neiman is a really really good point guard. Um, you know the big man Russell. You know he, he's he's one of the bigger players in in the district. You know, so I'm not surprised really. And I mean, they really just a game or two mm-hmm. were separated from them. And you know, teams like Independence and Centennial, which were the real two surprising teams in my opinion. Um, I honestly wouldn't have pegged them to make the playoffs. Okay. You know, before the season started. Um, but, I mean, but here they are, and you know, Wakeland they're they're taking on uh, Wiley East in the first round, but. The, the most surprising thing I saw from 10-5A was the fact that Princeton was the district champion. I know. That was <laughs> a team that the Texas Association of Basketball Coaches didn't even have among the top four at the start of the season. Princeton, uh, a little bit of a surprise there because you normally just think McKinney North. You think Lovejoy as far as your district title contenders. And not only did Princeton win the district, they won it going away, 9-1. and one. Yeah, and, and looking at their non-district schedule, you know, they start off the year with three straight losses. Um, to pretty good teams like Braswell and Wilmer Hutchins and stuff. But they mm-hmm. also played, you know, Frisco Heritage, a team that didn't even sniff the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, in Frisco in the 9-5A district, and they lost to them in non-district by double digits. So I don't know if it's, you know, 10-5A not really being very competitive or, you know, I, I don't know if they had injuries at the beginning of the year. I don't mm-hmm. really know much about Princeton at all. We're, we're going to find out. For sure. Um, you know, when they face Frisco. And Frisco's a dangerous four seed. Like I said, there was just one or two games separating, you know, mm-hmm. six through one, you know, down the home stretch uh, of the district season in 9-5A. And Frisco, man, they have some size. Um, they, they could they – could, 
just like Centennial on the girls' side, I I'm uh, projecting a first round win for the four seed out of nine five A. Going for the sweep. That no, because <laughs> okay. I, if if I would have picked a, a sweep on either side, I would have definitely picked the girls um, in out of nine five A. And we saw Frisco Memorial lose to Denison. I. I mean, I, yeah, I just picked the four seed to win, but I could, you could, Wakeland very well, no, no, you know, no disrespect to Wakeland, you know, very good team, but th- I mean, they could very well lose to Wiley East. I mean, we've seen crazier things. I mean, like I said, Memorial was the heavy favorite over Denison on the girls' side. I mean, nothing would surprise me in this first round. Yes, Wakeland should win. Yes, Independence should win. Um, but I, I don't know. I, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if, if Wiley East knocked off Wakeland. Heck, Wiley East knocked off Wakeland in the baseball playoffs last year, and that was totally unexpected when Wakeland <laughs> was the one seed. So, I don't know. Time for Wakeland to get some revenge for uh, for the baseball team from last year. I'm curious to see what kind of resistance Lovejoy can offer against Frisco Independence. Lovejoy, which uh, garnered the three seed out of District 10 5A. That's the team that accounted for the only district loss for uh, Princeton this season. It was a loss to Lovejoy. Um, you know, and Lovejoy, with what they showed earlier in district, I'm curious if they're able to kind of conjure the level of play that they had through the first half of district because it's been kind of a tale of two halves for them. Um, they're not exactly rolling into the playoffs on the highest of notes. They've lost three of their last four games, despite some pretty big games from Carson Holden, who um, over Lovejoy's last five games is averaging just a shade over 21 points per game. Um, what, where you've seen the Leopards kind of fall off, though, has been on defense. It's uh, it's slipped a bit over the second half of district. Um, if you look at the other three teams that made the playoffs from 10-5A, so Wiley's, who we just mentioned, McKinney North, and then district champion Princeton, um, you look defensively, Lovejoy allowed in their first, uh, their first crack at those three teams in the first half of district, they allowed just 42 points per game against those three teams and then compare that to the second half that number jumped all the way up to 56.3 so um that's a pretty uh, pretty seismic uh chasm between your uh, your defense there from one half to the next so um yeah i guess um what do you uh what is in store against independence and just what do you uh, what do you make of the knights as they uh handed this matchup against uh, against the leopards and independence they faced the gauntlet to, to end the regular season mm-hmm. they faced frisco they faced centennial they faced wakeland back to back to back so just to finish out the season um, and they, they won one of those three. Um, they beat Centennial, a game that I was at two Fridays ago, mm-hmm. uh, where they suffocated Centennial. They allowed just one point in the third quarter of that game, uh, but they lost to Frisco you know, the, week, the week before. Uh, they lost to Wakeland in the season finale. That would have decided a district champion. If Independence wins that game, they're the district champs. Mm-hmm. They're taking on Wiley East. Um, but that was a very good game, 75-69. Kyle Jones ha- has been you know, uh, phenomenal for this team. Malik McMurray has been really good. Harrison Young, they, they have a lot of size. They have a really good distributing point guard in Rhino Hernandez, one of the cooler names you know, out of you know, Rhino. Um, but yeah, is that no, short for something, or is that just his, that, I, I like, don't know. on his birth certificate? I, I, I don't know. I have to ask. Um, uh, next yeah, time to be fair, I don't know why you would have that information. What, what could it be short for? <laughs> Rhinoceros? I mean, this is outside of Rhinoceros, but I mean, it's the animal, right? Uh, yeah, now I'm gonna. When I, next time I see Rhino in the nights, I'm gonna say, "Hey, man, you got your birth certificate on? You got a passport? I need to yeah, see yeah, driver's license driver's or license something." Or something. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah, they, they they have just a really complete team. Um, and I, I remember even said, you know, on one of the podcasts in the middle of the season, I thought that they had the best chance of winning the district. I mean, granted, I wasn't totally wrong. I mean, they finished second and went down to the last game of the year. Uh, but that, they have a really good mm-hmm. complete team. They have they have the size. They have a good point guard. Um, it'll be a bit. Of, it will be interesting to see if they can make a little run. 
as far as kind of what's uh, what is in store, at least within Region Two, um, you know, you look at the uh, I guess the path for Independence and Centennial. They um, they occupy the same quarter of Region Two Five A as uh, as Newman Smith, number six ranked Newman Smith, who we talked about a bit on uh, on Thursday. As far as a, a Trojans team that was building that's now looking to build off of an undefeated regular season, twenty seven and zero, they just blew the doors off of everybody in District Eleven Five A. Haven't really had a uh, what you describe as a competitive ball game since like mid December in tournament play against I believe Hebron was the last team to actually like finish within single digits of them. Um, so yeah, there's you know there's a chance if you know if Newman Smith is able to advance past the first round, they could draw Centennial or McKinney North um, for their area round matchup. You also have Kimball, a well established powerhouse yep. that's um, that is in that same uh, area of Region Two. They're number eight in the state. Um, and then you look elsewhere though. Um, you know Devin, we can talk a little bit about uh, I guess thirteen five A and your two schools because um, it is you know certainly a couple tough draws for Poteet and uh, and West Mesquite. I guess are these a couple rematch. I guess the are these the same installments the, 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 of the. Uh, it's the, they're identical matchups at identical locations. Wow! I, I mean, from the, the girls, girls basketball by it, district it's round. The girls, yes, uh, Poteet is the three seed uh, draws Midlothian, and, and West Mesquite is the four seed uh, draws fourteen uh, five a champion Red Oak. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough challenge for both, um, just because. Uh, you know, it's that fourteen five A is a very top heavy district, and, and you could say the same thing for thirteen five A with yeah. you know Lancaster kind of reigning supreme, and then you had everybody else kind of fighting. Um, and that's one of those cases where a lot of times it really doesn't matter the second and third seed, but in this district, I think it does because Kaufman beat Poteet on the final day of the regular season to get the second seed, and uh, that was a big deal because that gives that gives them a, a much more favorable matchup. Um, you know, again, I, I like what Poteet and West Mesquite have been able to do this year in terms of just making the playoffs. Uh, they they didn't they don't have a dominant player. They don't have a lot of size either. One of them, I think, they have some solid size, but they don't have a, dom- a dominant big man per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do it, you know, kind of by committee. Uh, you know, and so so that's that, that's one element going to the playoffs that can help a team is is they don't have one guy that if you shut down that one pr- person, then that team goes down. Uh, at the same time, they don't have the go to guy. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's it, it's like I say, it's, it's been a big achievement for them to make it this far. But mm-hmm. if they're just going in as underdogs, um, but you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if they were able to still pull one out. But that district, that region is so deep outside of that that making a run is, is going to be really hard to see for either of those teams. Is there one you think might be more ripe to pull off the upset? You know, oddly enough, I think West Mesquite as the four seed has. The explosive, explosive nature to them. I mean, they're, they're a team that can score ninety points on a given night. Uh, Eli Huey, uh, you know, he's he's got to can score thirty. I mean, he doesn't usually. He's not asked to. Uh, Glennie Gilbert is a six five guy in the middle, um, and they've got a lot of different pieces. Josh Bennett. Uh, it's a deep team when they want to get when, when they want to go, and they like to push the pace. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd say West Mesquite, um, even as a four seed going up against a district champion, uh, it, you know, I think that that's a team that. that they certain, Red Oak certainly shouldn't over- overlook them. Yeah, I mean, if, if West Mesquite is able to pull that upset, though, it will uh, obviously get no easier. Because when you look yeah. at just the yeah. strength of at least that quarter of, uh, of Region 2 5A, I mean, you've got number 12 Red Oak, obviously, who West Mesquite opens up against. The winner of that game is most likely going to draw number 10 Sulphur Springs. And then uh, the winner of that is most likely going to draw number 1 Lancaster. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yes, Lancaster's exploits on the uh, this season have been well documented on the podcast as they have just run roughshod over District 13 5A. And 
basically, if you're a team like uh, you know Newman Smith, you're just glad that you're on the opposite side of that. You can just kind of uh, just try to make headways, do what you can, and just hope you get a uh, get a crack at the uh, at the Tigers. You know, at some point, I guess in the uh, in the regional tournament. But uh, long you can avoid Lancaster, the better this postseason. Well, and, and as Brian pointed out last week, I believe. I mean, I'll take it takes one one game, one game to, to play your best, and you can take down anybody. Is there a, is there a lone star in this uh, in this region? Perhaps the team that uh, that knocked off Lancaster last season. Who uh, who knows? Let's uh, let's see. All right, let's talk a little bit of uh, Region One Five A. Chris, Brian, give you guys a chance to chime in. Talk a little bit of the Colony. Talk a little bit of Little Elms. Both teams are bound for the postseason uh, once again. Um, Little Elm was able to get the two seed out of eight five A. Who knows? Would you look at that? You know, who needs R J Hampton really? I mean, come ah. on. <laughs> <laughs> Not Little Elm. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. They would have. Man, just imagine what this. What do you think this team would have been this year if, if R J was still there? If Coach Segler was still there? If they still had the uh, you know just just that and just um, just a, a player of his caliber, what they could have done this postseason? They still RJ, Trey White, and if KJ Pruitt wasn't at Louisville and still at Little Elm, what a hypothetical! This team would beat Lancaster. This team would win state. I don't see who's going to. I believe them. you. Who who, <laughs> who would beat them? I I mean, a fair question. <laughs> they they would be like Duncanville status mm-hmm. with, with the elite talent that they had, that they would have had. Uh, but I mean, with, just look at Little Elm, man. Finishing second, they lost the last game of the year to Braswell, but only by six. Mm-hmm. That's a really good Braswell team, but you know. You, Four straight wins before that, you know, to really make that playoff push, beating the Colony in the rematch. Sorry, Chris. Yep, One-point game uh, there that came down to the th- end. There you go. It's always yep. – I, I don't know if you've noticed, game. in every sport, the Colony and Little M is always – Oh, for sure. It's, it's, the rivalry is very much real. Soccer is a huge rivalry. Is what coaches have told me. Basketball, you can see it's the same way. Football, it, even if one team is significantly better than the other, it's still – the two schools have this, like – I don't know, friendly hate for each other. It's pretty fun. It, it gets Co- intense. The Colony's girl soccer coach is kind of upset about how they're not going to be playing each other next year. That's um, what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, there's always non-district, yeah. so. Yep. They'll, they'll find a way to yeah, play. Yeah, I'd love point. to see that. Yeah. But it's different when with district play and stuff. For sure, but, that means more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, little um, they take on Fort Worth Brewer. Don't know anything about Fort Worth Brewer, <laughs> not going to lie. Um, but just the fact that finishing second – Alone with you know a virtually brand new roster, mm-hmm. um, outside of a, a couple guys, you know that with a brand new coach and coach Dominic Parker's done a, a great job with the Lobos. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know win a couple games. We'll see what happens, but just the fact that they finished as high as they did in that really good district, especially after losing mm-hmm. to the uh, the Colony the first time around, it looked like this team might not make the playoffs. We'll see. Um, but who does the Colony have? I got Colleyville Heritage, which I think is a good matchup for them yeah. too, round one. <laughs> Yeah, because um, you look at it's 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 so curious to know what to make of a team like the Colony because even though they're the four seed, the um, you know the Colony, Little Um, and Denton Ryan all tied for second place at seven and five in that district. So it was just a matter of tiebreakers. And the and Colony whatnot. was on pace to finish second. The Colony got were, really really yeah. hot over the back half of district. They play. started off really really slow and then they got really really hot and then kind of cooled back down a little mm-hmm. bit. And I thought they were going to be the, the the two seed. So yeah, I mean it could make them though. Or on paper, you see one versus four. Though the fact that the Colony still did technically. Tie for second in that district could make them a bit of a deceptive four seed. Um, I don't know, Chris. So, what has been your read on the Colony leading into the uh, into the postseason, and just how are you? Uh, how are you feeling as they get ready for Colleyville Heritage on Tuesday? I think it's kind of the way you two mentioned it. They've been kind of hot and cold throughout the year. The end of the regular season, losing two of their last three, but I think they beat like Dallas by thirty to end the year, which I think it's always good to get some momentum going into the yeah, postseason absolutely. for sure. Especially with the way you lose a couple of close games there, you lose by five points and you lose by one. To, <laughs> Braswell there at the last second when you can't get that shot up mm-hmm. at the end, but 
they look good. It's just a matter of once you get past this first round, if you do, of course, because no game is ever going to be guaranteed. But oh, then yeah. you've got to play probably Mansfield Legacy round two. If you get past that, then you get Braswell round three, which is a winnable game. I think they could get revenge there on Braswell and get to the fourth round. But, of course, still, Legacy's a tough draw. Yeah, you got to play them in Mansfield area. ISD in general because I mean also uh, Timberview is also in For that sure. same, I mean you look at their quarter. district they're the third best team out of that district this year but that's a really tough mm-hmm. district yeah Timberview beat uh, 8-5-A three times in the playoffs last year wow, they beat uh, right. they beat the Colony Little Elm yep. and Northwest all in the same mm-hmm. playoff run so, yeah, that is a look at at least what is in store for uh, for Class 5A and whatnot. Obviously, still plenty of action, though, over in 6A. We can talk a little uh, Louisville ISD, some uh, Allen, Plano, McKinney ISD, Prosper, Garland ISD, what have you. Uh, plus, we can touch on a little bit of Salina over in 4A as they prep for their postseason run. We can do that after a, uh, on the other side of this quick break. And we are back. We can kick it over to Class 6A and talk some of the action in the high school boys basketball playoffs, which begin tonight. Uh, Chris, let's dive into the region of death. Let's talk region <laughs> that, 1. That's about the hardest region I've ever seen. Let's talk region 1 6A and what is in store for the folks over in Capel in Louisville ISD because it is a uh, oh boy, yeah, it is going to be whoever emerges from this uh, from this region you would think would be the on paper favorite to win the state championship just because it is just there's no way they're not going to be battle tested because of I mean when you look at just just across the, uh, I mean, no matter what portion of the region you're competing in, we have a total of 10 teams that are ranked within the state's top 25 in one region. We have two first-round matchups between teams that are ranked in the, in the top 16. You have number one, Duncanville, against number 16, South Grand Prairie, and number six, Richardson, against number 15, DeSoto. I believe you had all four playoff teams from 7-6A make the playoffs. So that's why, I mean, as we talk about Louisville, ISD, and Capel and what to expect from them, you know, beyond the first round, it really is just a giant question mark because I don't know if you can say that anybody's capable of getting on a serious run because, I mean, once you get past that first round, and then in some cases, like, you know, Duncanville might see a, I mean, Duncanville or Richardson, they might see a state-ranked team every single round of the postseason. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It is so daunting, but I'm, but let's focus on District 66A and as far as um, what to expect there. Um, you know, this was a, a, a such a fun district to cover, and sure enough, it all went right down to the wire as far as who were going to be the four playoff teams. Capel was able to put away the district championship they finished 12 and 2 then you had a tie for second place between flower mound and lewisville the jaguars got the head-to-head over the farmer so they got the two seed and then you had marcus which needed some uh some help late to uh to overtake irving macarthur but they were able to get just that uh, macarthur despite getting a uh, you know what at the time felt like a really really pivotal road win against flower mound they turned around and lost their last two games whereas marcus made good on a pair of matchups against the other irving isd schools and they were able to uh coupled with a head-to-head tiebreaker over uh, over MacArthur. Those two finished at 9-5, and five, and, Mac- and uh, Marcus, for the first time since, I believe, let's see, since 2015 is in the postseason. Um, not going to be an easy uh, an easy order up, uh, up first for the Marauders, however, is they get District 5-6-8 champion Denton Geyer, who um, sports one of the uh, one of the best big men in the entire state. Uh, Jacoby Coles, he's uh, committed to Butler. He is, um, you know, it's his third year on varsity. He was part of those... Uh, 
you know, those super teams over the past couple of years, Davion Harmon and Jalen Wilson, those teams that had legit state title or bust expectations. And with him, he the, the thing about Jacoby Coles that's fascinating is he's got a, a bit of a throwback game, you know, in today's, you know, perimeter-oriented uh, style of basketball. You don't really see a whole lot of uh, big men that have, like, an actual back-to-the-basket game, you know, that can, you know, flash an up and under or a hook shot or whatnot. And, you know, Coles is certainly capable on top of being just an absolute handful for any opposing front court at uh, six foot seven, two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, you know, Marcus does have you know at least some size to throw at him and Kale Martens and uh, Ben Jolson, two guys who are also six foot seven. But um, just the sheer uh, just the sheer force that Coles brings to the table is such a is such a tall order. And then you have Tyler McGuy on the perimeter who can knock down threes um, just like clockwork. I mean, it is a it really is a a, a tough tough order for uh, for the Marauders. But that's the thing when you come out of a district like six six a. I mean, they've been seeing playoff caliber competition for so long that um, who knows? I mean, who maybe they give maybe they give Geyer a, a bit of a, a tougher test than uh, than Geyer might otherwise anticipate. Um, for Capel, though, Chris, this is a team that uh, I'm fascinated to see what Capel can do because, again, like you know, I think they'll, they should be able to take care of the first round matchup against Northwest Eaton. But um, but beyond that, though, it's it's just a giant question mark. But this is certainly one of the uh, one of the better teams just in terms of just its sheer balance and just the uh, the level of execution that you get on both ends of the floor. So, um, what do you kind of see in the Cowboys right now as far as their chances to potentially make a little bit of headway in this uh, just this daunting daunting region? Well, I think when I stopped by there last week and talked to some of their players, I think their senior captain adam musa summed it up perfectly if you can get past these first two rounds you could probably make a state run honestly because mm-hmm. then the second round they've got to play waxahatchee who's one of the best teams in the entire state number 11 which looks like that's going to be your second round matchup but capel could get it done obviously that that's a state ranked matchup round two of course they got to get past round one but they've got the talent they've got those two sophomores you got anthony block you got ryan agarwal who Reminds me of a little bit of a Brandon Ingram, Kevin Durant type. Obviously, lengthy can score a lot of different ways. I'd probably compare him more to Brandon Ingram with the way he can mm-hmm. kind of drive inside now, but he can shoot from deep as well. Mm-hmm. Musa called him the best shooter in the state of Texas, which he's a heck of a he, shooter. He is, yeah, he I've really seen Capel twice this year, and, and he's lit up both times. He's got Anthony him. Black next to him, who's got offers in football and basketball. Now they're trying to push him to get a track offer from North Texas as well. But <laughs> if that doesn't tell you the kind of caliber of talent they got in this team right now. Yeah. Either but, way, I mean, either way, they're positioned to yeah. be pretty solid for uh, for a couple of years. They'll to be come. good for a while, but it's just Region One is so loaded. I mean, ten of your top twenty-five teams in the state in six A are from Region One, which is about half of those top twenty-five teams. <laughs> if you think about it, so yeah. if you get past this first week, Capel's in good shape for a little bit. But and just, can they get past it? Is the thing that's I think that's the mm-hmm. same question every coach is asking right now. Um, yeah, and I'm curious to see what a team like Louisville can do. You know, Louisville is a team that uh, that got a little hot over the back half of the district, started looking like that team that was projected to win six six a at the start of the season. Obviously, it helps when your best player is playing like the uh, one of the best players in the uh, in the country, and that's what they got in Keontae George, who had back to back thirty plus point games to close out the season. Helped them get uh, they couldn't overtake Flower Mound. You know, in one of those thirty point efforts, they lost a uh, I believe just a two point game to the Jaguars that wound up being the difference between having the second th- second seed or the third seed. Um, up first, they have Byron Nelson, who, um, you know, in a district that was kind of dominated from from, uh, from Geyer, you know, at times some of those other teams can go a little bit overlooked. But um, but Byron Nelson comes in on a pretty solid note as well. They uh, they went 12-2 and in that district. The only losses were, of course, to the aforementioned district champion, Denton Geyer. Um, but they've won nine of their last ten games. Only only loss was a three-point setback to Geyer. Um, you know, they've also, you know, 
thrived pretty well in close quarters and whatnot. So I'm curious to see if they can, uh, you know, what that matchup brings. You know, Louisville's got, you know, probably the edge in just overall talent between, you know, Keontae George and, as you mentioned earlier, K.J. Pruitt, O.C. Gertman, Kylan Green and whatnot. I mean, I just think, just for the sake of, like, if you're just a fan of high school boys basketball, you want Louisville to get out of the first round and you want Duncanville to get out of the first round because then you would get Keontae George against Micah Peavy in the second round. Oh, wow. and arguably the two best players in the entire state, which would be uh, just a, a, a juicy, juicy matchup there in the area round. You could get that. I mean, yeah, there's just the uh, the litany of potential area round matchups between just state powerhouses. Is it's just nuts? Like yeah, I just like I look and I got the bracket right in front of me, looking at that the the quarter that Capel's in. You know, it's you have Capel against Eaton, and then you have number eleven Waxahachie against Pierce, um, number eleven. Then you have Geyer number eighteen against Marcus, and then number six versus number fifteen Richardson Desoto. It's just it is such a minefield there. So yes, it'll be a. It'll be tough sledding for 6XA, but that's, I mean, the same applies, though, to the rest of the day. But maybe that's good for 6XA for how tough that regular season was. For maybe sure. that prepares you for this, because if Irving MacArthur's not in the playoffs, I mean, just going into those last two games, they were in second place, oh, yeah. one game back at first. They beat Capel. All of a sudden, they could be vying for a district title. All oh, yeah. of a sudden, instead, you lose that game. doesn't yep. go your way, the regular season finale, then you're out of the playoffs. So maybe these games could help Capel, mm-hmm. but obviously, a walk to Hatchie is very well positioned to make a run too. I mean, you got a three-star center that's averaging 20 and seven per game. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, let's see. Um, over in districts 9-6A and 10-6A, they will renew their by-district rivalry. The matchups on hand, we have Allen, the district champ from 9-6A. They play South Garland, um, the four seed from 10-6A. And then you have... Hmm? Garland. Oh, they play Garland? Garland, oh, okay. Yes. Garland, they, they, they end up going to a playing game. Okay. Garland, Garland got them in the end, so... My bad. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Allen versus Garland, and then you have, uh, let's see, Prosper and Saxe. Prosper, the two-seed out of 9-6-A versus Saxe, the three-seed from 10-6-A. Uh, let's see, and then you have uh, McKinney versus Lakeview Centennial, as we dubbed on Thursday's podcast, the Kendrick Johnson Bowl. <laughs> Kendrick's alma mater versus the school that he uh, that he, pr- that he currently covers. So. Hey, same thing as me. I don't get a Brian Murphy Bowl. That's right. That is that's so right. <laughs> Prosper versus Saxe. I'm a Saxe alum. My allegiance will be tested. With uh, with Prosper and Saxy, Devin, does Saxy have a chance? Of course, they have a chance. A very good chance, Brian. Is that, um, is that your on the record answer? That is my on the record <laughs> and, and and off the record. No, Saxy has is going to have a chance. Um, but obviously, you know, going in and, and you, you talked, we talked, you know, earlier about how strong Prosper is and. Um, you know, Saxe is certainly – it was a chore. They had to win their last game of the regular season just to ensure themselves a playoff berth or else they would have been involved in that three-way tie with um, Garland and South Garland. Um, you know, but Saxe's – it's a fun team to watch. It's, it's been fun to watch them grow the last two years under Zach Michael from a team that was just a bottom dweller. I mean, 0-14, you know, <laughs> win two games in a season type to, to be a playoff contender. Um, you know, Obi Onaya is a very fun player. Uh, he does a little bit of everything, scoring, rebounding, dishing the ball out. Uh, Amari Smith is a, is a good shooter from the outside. Dylan McKeon is a versatile player. You know, they have, you know, eight, nine guys that all contribute. How that stacks up against Prosper is tough to see because they really don't have a huge inside presence. Um and so that's always something that when you run into that in the playoffs is a big factor. So tell me about Prosper and what, how they kind of size up against that. Talking about size, I mean, Austin Atkinson, you know, if he, he's a big 6'7 post player, baseball stud. Didn't he, you say he played at Plano? Yep. Baseball pitcher. Um, he's, he's big. He gets a lot of, you know, those easy buckets down low if, if no one's boxing him out or tip-ins and what have you. Their best player is also Mondo Battle. is about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, shoots threes, has a mid-range yeah. game. He gets those easy buckets. 
buckets in the paint if, if a team doesn't really have that size. Um, their best shooter is six foot two, Amon Allen. Uh, he, he's one of the best around, and he, he can light it up. He, he can knock down four, five, six threes any given night. You know, they have the size, they have the outside threat. Grant Shaw, you know, point guard. And they, they, they're, they're, they're pretty well balanced. They're, there's a reason why yeah. they're, they're yeah. top 20 in the state. Um, and there's a reason why they only struggled really against teams named Richardson or Allen, you know, and, other than Lancaster. And, and Lancaster. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, other than those top, you know, level teams, you know, Prosper. Well, looked pretty good, um, and they they looked pretty good down the stretch, getting that big win over McKinney, and you know assuring that two seed. And mm-hmm. They could make a little run. We'll see here. I'm curious to see what Plano can offer up against the 10-6-8 champion Wiley Pirates. Um, Plano, which is in the playoffs for the first time since 2014, um, they at least enter with some a uh, little bit of momentum. They did dominate Plano West pretty thoroughly in their uh, in their finale, needing to win that game in order to procure that number four seed. Um, and I just, um, as far as what Wiley brings to the table, you know, I mean, they lost you know one of the best scores in the area last season, Devin and, uh, and John Achibi. And um, you know, I remember like watching them in that first round matchup against. Allen last year, still looking on paper, okay, they still do have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of yeah. youth there, and it's looked like a team that was poised to at least be pretty solid this season. I don't know to what extent people foresaw them just dominating 10-6-8 the way that they did, um, but nevertheless, though, with um, with Wiley, what I'm curious about is just with Plano, um, as, as far as a team that's kind of, uh, you know, unheralded in a playoff sense, again, this is the first time in, what, six years that they've been in the postseason, I'm, what, what gives me pause, though, in Plano's chances is the way that they played basically everybody not named Allen in District 9-6. I mean, you look at their games against, uh, you know, against McKinney in combined. Now, granted, two losses, albeit by a combined five points. They lost, they lost twice against Prosper two, albeit by a combined seven points. So they have been able to push the uh, the district's elite for sure. And obviously, there's a difference between playing teams close and ultimately getting over the hump, which you know that could be where it, you know where it gets them in the end. But I don't know, just the, just how competitive they were with the upper echelon of that district, Allen notwithstanding, has me a little bit. Maybe this game might be a little closer on paper between these two teams um, I don't know I mean what do you what did you see out of Wiley when you got to see them during 10-6a uh, consistency yeah. I mean they just uh, it was it was almost like a machine just that were just rolled through the district that just didn't have any off nights um, and, and that's I mean you mentioned you know losing their leading score from last year well they did um, bring back Kobe Wiggins and they brought back Eli Taylor and uh, Tommy Gariga is a 6'8 kid in the middle that gives them a, a, a presence that really only Garland has in that district in, ter- in terms of having a, a, an inside inside guy uh, Drew Lutcher is another guy, a six-five kid who can shoot. Um, and again, I just as a credit to, to that team and to their coaches in just that they were able to come out and, and be ready to play. There was no there was no slip ups. There was no off nights. You know, Lakeview's a talented team that can get you on any night. South Garland, even though they didn't make the playoffs, when they're on with those freshmen that they have, mm-hmm. is a very good team. You know, Saxy I mentioned being being solid. Um, you know, for so for anytime you can go through any district fourteen and zero. Um, and, and not have that elite talent like like we tweaked bringing up Lancaster, but Lancaster was expected to go undefeated through district. No I doubt. mean that was just the way it was. No one thought Wiley was going to be. I mean this district was uh, it was every team had five district losses, and we thought I mean every, we thought that would be the way the entire district title would, would just shake out. Um, except Wiley was the aberration. They were they were fourteen and zero. I mean that was just uh, unexpected and credit to them. But that being said, it sounds like that first round playoff matchup. That consistency I mentioned better uh, remain true going forward because it sounds like that first round matchup is a is a pitfall potential one. It could be. Plano plays a very grinding style of uh, of basketball. They really do hang their head on defense. Um, you know, led by their uh, their point guard Makai Dorsey. You know, of, you know a few weeks ago when we were talking, I vouch for him as a potential. 
potential you know defensive player of the year candidate out of District 96A. One thing that they got to do though, the last time I saw Plano was in their second matchup against Allen, is they got to avoid foul trouble, especially for Dorsey, because you know that's where that game against Allen really, really kind of uh, went off the uh, went off the tracks there. Because not only does he just kind of set the tone for their defense, but he's also he's been their go-to scorer, you know, over the back half of district play on top of being their lead ball handler. He just he wears too many hats for them to be able to withstand him picking up any really foul trouble. But again, like some of that is a symptom of the, uh, you know, just his kind of in your face, you know, defensive style of play. So just it, sometimes it all just boils down to just how friendly the officiating crew is feeling on a certain night, whether or not they'll let him play with that sort of, a, you know, with that sort of, a, I guess, defensive, uh, defensive tenacity. So I'm curious to see, though. I don't know. I think it could be potentially a little closer than, a, you know, a one four matchup might look on paper. But who knows? Maybe while he wins that by 30 and I look like a moron. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, let's see. Um, Devin, what about uh, what about Ole Mesquite Horn? You know, they would at least get the, uh, you know, the top seed of District 11-6A. They draw Temple in their first round matchup in a matchup that is uh, not exactly just down the street, down at, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, down at uh, I guess, uh, McLennan and whatnot, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. So um, what is the uh, what is the kind of the uh, the read on a Jaguars team that's been, you know, all the uh, all the potential in the world they've shown on some nights and other nights you just kind of left scratching your head. So now what does it all mean as the, uh, as the playoffs are about to begin? I think it was a good sign that they put – they put it together when they needed to, mm-hmm. uh, beating uh, Rockwall in the season finale. This is, you know, uh, credit to Andre Wadi, uh, the coach out there, and uh, that team because this is that was history. That was the first district championship uh, in school history. Uh, I mean, this is a, a team that had some really good talent come through there. I mean, it, when Quincy AC was back there with John Bowman and a couple of those guys, I mean, that was a legit team. But that team couldn't win the district. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team did. Um, you know, Zakir Sawyer, who's going to Louisiana Monroe, uh, 6'5 kid. I mean, you know, just extremely athletic, can shoot the ball, can take it to the rim. Uh, just an excellent player. I, I, I've always liked Preston Amond. Um, they're 6'7 forward. Uh, just because he's got he's just, he, he can pass the ball, he can shoot from the outside, he can do a little bit of everything. Devin Hancock is one of those guys that can score 25 or 30. Uh, just kind of a, a street shooter, so mm-hmm. to speak. But even when his shot from the outside is not falling. He can get to the rim. He get he gets fouled. He, he shoots a lot of free throws. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting. I, it's, I'm curious to see because obviously we don't know much about Temple. Uh, we just kind of go by that district that they're in. Which I mean, looking at their overall records, that's a. You know, led by Colleen Ellison, the number three team in the state. Yeah. But that is a very good di- – I mean, the Temple has a, a solid record. Mm-hmm. Those top four teams that, that all came out of 12-6A. So, you know, as far as a 1-4 matchup, that's going to be a – it's going to be a tough challenge in the first round. But I think I think that's a game that Horn can win. I mm-hmm. think they can go a couple of rounds. Um, you know, seeing depending how they match up in the in, in the second round. Um, you know, Ellison does kind of loom in that part of the yeah. – in that bracket. That would be probably their third-round game. It would. Um but you know, I, 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 I think this Horn team is perfectly capable of making it to that point. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to, you know, you run up against the Ellison team, obviously a very good team. But you know, on a given night, anything, anything can happen. So, at Horn certainly has the talent to, to compete with anybody in the state. You've got, I guess, uh, looking over the uh, the region here, you have five teams that are ranked in the state's top twenty-five in Region Two, as you mentioned, led by uh, Colleen Ellison, the district champ out of twelve six A. They're number three. They are on one half of the uh, of the regional bracket, and then you have Allen, who's number five in the state, on the other half. So. I 
I don't know if if the on paper math says that that is your I guess the your odds on favorite for the regional final. Who knows? I mean, you could have done this exercise last year between you know Allen or Jesuit or South Garland or whoever, and then you had Klein Force, which you know came out of the uh, out of the blue and ended up making a run to the state tournament. So uh, who knows? As well, far and, as and I mentioned earlier on in the season, you know, Horn was state ranked. They were for, for yes. a good portion of the season, and they beat six teams that were state ranked mm-hmm. uh, during tournament season. So like I say, I mean, this is a Horn team that that's that's played against some of the best teams in the state and has competed well and won against some of the mm-hmm. best teams in the state. So they're not going to back away from anybody, whether it be Ellison or if they were fortunate enough to get down the road to play Allen yeah. or somebody like that. Yeah. Of course, they still got to get past Temple first. No doubt. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit more about Allen on Thursday's podcast as far as kind of the backstory for them as they're looking to build off their first uh, their first district championship run since the early 90s. Um, and again, it's a team that, again, it's everything is right where it was last season. They're almost, I think the, uh, the, the win-loss record was one loss shy of uh, you know what they had last season heading into the playoffs, um, and ultimately though they weren't able to uh, do a ton with it. They only went two rounds deep before losing to Colleen Shoemaker. So um, we'll see though if, if Allen can piece together a redemptive postseason. And you know for a team that has become relatively familiar with getting at least to the regional tournament, if they're able to do that um, with a uh, again with well, just a world of confidence after having a uh, you know an undefeated run through district play. Let's see, um, Brian. Let's close out and talk a little bit of Salina. What is in store for the Bobcats, man, over in Class 4A? Well, they play Pinkston. They don't have to play Lincoln like they did uh, last year. Um, the Carter, that, that, that district is loaded that, they have to, that they're paired up with in yeah. by district play. Um, luckily, next year they won't have to be paired up with Dallas ISD uh, for the first round. Um, my computer keeps freezing up on me, so I, my information on Pinkston uh, isn't up right now. But like I said, they have a lot better chance to make a, make a run this year. They're mm-hmm. 16th in the state. Um, they have one of the better players, really, in the area, maybe even the state, in Carson Stastny. For sure, two-time district MVP. You know, his his father's the head coach, uh, Bobby Stastny. Um, they have the size in Kobe Ellison, um, Hunter Watson. Their star quarterback is one of their 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 star forwards. Um, that this is a you know, Bryson Brown. You know, this is a, a really good team. A lot of experience. This team has been together. You know, for about three years now. You know, they've been they've been coming up from, you know, since they were sophomores, and now they're this three-peat uh, of making it uh, of, of district champions the last three years after you know, not winning a district title since 1975, I believe it was. Goodness. Um, now they're you know this powerhouse, <laughs> many powerhouse up there in Salina. But um, if they, you know, I I don't have the brackets in front of me, but like I said, a little bit easier path this year um, for as a one seed should have, and you know, don't be surprised if they, you know get to that third round and, and kind of squeak on by and, and, and make a little run as well. Mm-hmm. All righty. That'll do it, folks. And as a look at us, what is on the horizon in the high school boys basketball playoffs, the action begins tonight. Um, let's see. Have we all got games tonight? Yes. Yes, we do. No, sorry, Devin. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, you can uh, you can follow us all along on social media. We'll be live tweeting updates from our uh, from our playoff games all throughout the week. And um, obviously still got plenty of fun action on the girls' side as well. It's, it's a happening time right now as both the boys' and girls' basketball postseasons are in full swing. Um, so, yes, that'll do it for today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday once again from Kelly's Craft Tavern. Should be a very festive time out at Kelly's. Um, until then, folks, you Enjoy your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position.
Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.